Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at Pract Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello. There's not enough freaking coffee. I almost, I almost dropped the f bomb like two seconds into the <laughs> no, show. Yeah, we can't there's, do that. There's Sorry, Tom. Freaking We're coffee. not doing that. There's not enough freaking coffee in my house right now. I just had like the last half cup from this morning. Oh god! And yesterday I got the jitter so bad because I had like I had probably ten cups before noon, and I ate, ate like a breakfast bowl and that was it. Um, and I literally got like like coffee angry, and it was not a good situation. So, um, this morning I made, I made like six cups and I drank yeah. all six and I had like two cups left over. And I was, I was this afternoon. I was like, man, my sinuses are starting to get all messed up. Like I need some coffee and I was going to make some. And then I looked, and I was like, Oh, there's like two cups left. Like it's enough for my mug. Like I'll just fill that up. So I, I and am, that was it. I am fueled. Today. So, so I tried something new this week. I tried conditioner. Now, I'm in my fifties, uh, and I just wash my hair. You, right? you have and never nice conditioned, Jim. Uh, Jim, we're men. First off, many men don't use conditioner. No, but I, I get. I know, I, but I'm I, older. My hair's starting to get a little more frail, right? Yeah. So I was much told, better now, huh? Try no. So I was told try conditioner. So I bought two different types of conditioners. I bought um, a hydrating formula because my hair gets full of static. My hair looked greasy in an hour. It looked like I had not taken a shower. And so day two, I washed my hair and I used smoothing and my hair looked greasy in an hour. All right. All right. So I was I like, t- all right, that's it. I can't use conditioner. I just can't use it. Can I, can I, no. You, I'm probably for, using no, too much. Jim, 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 listen, conditioner is one of those things. It's a very personal choice. Yep. There are millions of different products on the market. My wife can tell you, she is a licensed cosmetologist. She can tell you what will work for you. It will work very well. Here's the thing, like conditioner, you buy the box stuff at Walmart. Yep. It's not the same as the stuff you get from like Cosmoprof or someplace like that where my, right. my wife has, you know, her discounts and all that kind of yeah. stuff. That, that, so, unfortunately, get where you I think have, I go. I have luxury, you know. Um, I mean, you do. And you have I'm beautiful a, hair, David. I do. I, I just do want people to know hair. that don't get to see David every week. He has beautiful except hair. For the, except for the uh, thinning, you know, the receding hairline and Look all at, that. 
goodness. Hey, I'm, um, in, I'm in my late 50s. I've got pretty good hair up here for a guy. I'm 34 age. years old, and if you saw how much hair is missing right yeah, here. Yeah, I'm like... not really that bad. <laughs> <clears throat> my kids, I, I, I've had many um, people uh, comment about how good my hair looks. I'm... Oh, notice I'm using a pop filter. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. No, all right, all right. So here's the thing, Jim. Conditioner. Yep. It's not going to help your guitar playing. Ah man. <laughs> Neither will this pop filter that keeps falling down. Um, no, but but in, but in all reality, like your hair. I actually, it so much it went right. Your off hair is not supposed to look like there's no grease in it whatsoever. It's supposed to look a little bit on that side. So I didn't I know. know. I, just, I don't know. Because you have natural oils in your hair. Yes, like it's supposed but, but to protect. I I can tell you right now, like like it would look like I didn't wash my hair in weeks. Well, you know I wonder I mean? if it, I wonder if your hair's like reacting. It's like, please no, because it just never had that happen before. And anyway, long story short, talk to my wife. She could she could get you something. She she hook you up. Oh my gosh, Jim I'm holding my pop holding, filter. He is literally holding a pop filter in his <laughs> because, hand right now, folks. It, the microphone stand this. So I'm using a Yeti, guys. Using this. Uh, this Yeti. I'm gonna have to cut so uh, much bass because he's like moving the Yeti around. And like, <laughs> I was, um, and and unfortunately, the pop filter um, won't sit on the Yeti bass, which means I'm gonna have to funny. somehow get the Yeti, which it does have. It does have a standard microphone. You don't screen. have to hold it the whole episode. I'll just cut the bass for this one. It's no big deal. But in the next couple of weeks, we'll figure it That's out. Better. See, All right. I got it on the corner of my microphone stand. So or some I mean, crazy my, mic- my keyboard. Some crazy stuff happened last week. Yes. Wednesday episode drop day last week. I um, I got the wild hair that uh, I needed to stop saving money for like a really expensive guitar, and I need to pick something around the thousand dollar category. Okay. Um, on the show last week we talked about Ibanez AZs. Obviously, the Premier series is like thirteen hundred to fourteen hundred, depending on where you go. Yep. Um, I got a deal. Um, actually was offered a deal on reverb for nine ninety nine. I did not take that deal. I actually paid a little bit more than that, but I paid because I wanted the warranty and stuff from, uh, from Sweetwater. I won't disclose the actual amount. You can, you can inquire. Yeah, no. They'll, they'll give you a similar deal. I'm sure if you, if you work hard enough. Um, and I don't, I, so first off, like, I don't like haggling. It's I not, it's not my thing. I think it also helps to have a good rapport with your sales engineer. Absolutely. But, but the fact that I went to, I went to a brand over there. And I was like, hey, I was like, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't really want to haggle and I really want to give you the business, like get as close to this number as you can. And I literally gave him the conversation between me and the other dealer and was like, you're not, I just wanted to disclose what, you know, what was being offered. And, uh, he, he came close enough. And so I said, fine, I'm buying from Sweetwater. Um, I could have bought from a good time and I felt really guilty about it, but I, there was something specific about the one that was on Sweetwater that I really wanted. Uh, it's 6.6 pounds. Yeah. This guitar is like my, I, I handed my S 500 and my AZ to my wife and she had the S 500 in her strong hand. And she's like, I can still tell that that is way lighter. Um, my, my S 500, I think is just North of 10 pounds. I think it's 10.2 pounds. Wow, that is um, that is like Northern heavy Ash. Les Paul heavy. It's Northern Ash. It's dude, it's a big heavy guitar. My Les Paul is about the same weight. In fact, I, I just, think they are the same weight. I just played an S five hundred today that was built in the eighties. It was an original eighties. Yeah, like the different body though, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it wasn't as heavy as the S five hundred that was on the floor. I think 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think they so like mine. I ordered Ash. It's a beautiful looking guitar, but I think it's Northern Ash, which we don't know. Northern Ash is typically heavier than Southern Ash. It has to do with the way that they age. It does, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I I have no complaints. The guitar sounds like a. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's not going to be offensive. It sounds really good. It it yeah. sounds like a big, you know. How big can a guitar sound ex- hammer, offensive? I mean, when I play this no, guitar, no, the, it, the guitar it, doesn't sound offensive. It, but the things I would use to describe the way the guitar sounds might the, be offensive. The guitar sounds offensive every time I play it. It uses uh, offensive words. Um, <laughs> It's Words like that would, would not be politically correct yeah, today. If, like if you were to use a, a Stratocaster to play Hammer Smash Face from like yeah. Corpse. Yeah. <laughs> no, it 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 definitely has a Strat sound to it, but it's way beefier, way meatier, and and I'm sure you can relate with playing the the vintage one that had the bigger MFTs though, right? Like the big thick ones look like P90s. Yes, they were yeah. really yeah yeah. You can see it on uh, the Virginia Beach. Um, I kind of uh, want a GNL Skyhawk there anymore. It was a guy eyeing it the minute it came in. Oh yeah, dude! Like those guitars are highly sought after. Because a guy I um a guy I used to play with, another band, he had sold it to them, and uh, I'm looking to see if it's there. G- I'm, and- I, I'm kind of in the market for GNL Skyhawk, like the CLF Skyhawk, the new one. Um, yeah. I I wouldn't mind having one. I just wasn't going to put out. Look, the Skyhawk is not that expensive guitar. I think it's like thirteen hundred. I think it's right around the same price I paid for mine. Um, yeah, but it's not stainless steel frets. And that right. was like, that was one of the big, like I said, no, I'm not buying it if it doesn't have stainless steel frets. So that really narrowed the playing field. And I had, I had a giant freak out, like baby temper tantrum on uh, wow. Saturday morning when I got my guitar, because I took it out and I played it for like five minutes and I tested all the pickups, you know, and all the different selector positions. And my wife comes up to me right before we're walking out the door because we had to go take care of some stuff. She goes, yeah. that sounds like your other strats. And like I was already in the mode, like I bought a, I bought uh, a yeah. very expensive Indian import guitar, yeah. and I'm like when I when I heard that I, my heart sank because so I was like I've been looking for any reason not to want this guitar, yep. And if there's any a reason, it's like that one, right? So we went out. I was just madder than hell the whole time I was out because I'm like I'm gonna have to ship this thing back. And then here's the real reason I was mad: I bought this guitar and I used my Sweetwater card, and then I paid it off the next day. The right. Whole balance, which was that and a little bit more, some stuff over from Gearfest and things like that. So, um, all told, I put out more money than I paid for the guitar, and yeah. I wasn't going to get some of that money back. And I'm like, I was intending to spend that. I part of me was like feeling guilty about it because I'm like, well, I probably should have just paid off the card anyway. But then yeah. the other part of me is like, dude, it's going to take you so much longer to save up that money because we've reorganized our finances and so that I can. Still have right. a little bit of money to buy gear, but it's not what I was spending before. Um, so anyway, I got home. We we had lunch. Um, I came in. I picked up the guitar. Uh, I put my my triple crown patch on my Kemper, my profile, and went to town. And immediately in the humbucker position, I was like, "No, nah, this is what I'm looking for." Yeah, like this I'm is telling not, you that humbucker in the bridge is is it's good. The, the Hyperion the I, Hyperion pickups are really good in that guitar. I mean, I have the Strat, right? And 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 as much as I bitch about the fact that that humbucker is hotter, yeah. When I want to punch in a, a solo, man, that thing is just right there. I'll tell it you though, right the, those Hyperion pickups are super well balanced. Oh, I'm sure. It's like a low output PAF in the bridge, 
and high outputs, high output single coils to bring them like right even. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's supposed to. When you go from the neck to the bridge, there's yep. no volume dropout. There's none of that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, I don't feel a difference in sustain a whole lot. Um, I would, I would have liked if the whole guitar's like output level was like a dB and a half louder. But yep. it was, it, it'll get me by. I, I just would like to push the amp harder. But I'm like, I can always throw a boost in front of, in front of it, whatever, um, right. and adjust it with the Kemper. So it's yep. not, it's not a huge deal. It's just one of those things where it's like, this is, I'll live with it, you know. Right, um, right. There, this guitar's got some compromises, some things I don't like about it. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get on with the, uh, the, um, with the roasted maple, baked maple, yeah, whatever you yeah. want to call. It. You know what I mean? You don't I'm like the baked maple neck? No. So here's the thing: when I we I was playing with the AC off the other day, and I I wasn't sweating, but like my hands, I could feel them getting sticky, and it was because my body was reacting with the finish. This does not have a tongue oil neck like my Kiesel does. Oh, yeah. And that's – I no issues there. I mean, that that neck is just – it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling that the, that the Ibanez will get that way over time, but it's just not something that's happening out of the box. And I, I'm kind of hoping that this guitar is one of those ones where I, like, bond with it and then I don't want to sell it. Um, right. I could see myself in, like, two or three years being like, you know what, it's time for me to get something else and, like, throwing this on the block um but right now this is kind of what i need i need um a guitar that can kind of double as both the s500 and the other things so i can go to these jam nights and stuff and yep. have both my like spectrums of things that i do on tap yeah. um, well obviously i've got the two strats you can see the red one behind me yeah that uh is single 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 then i got the deluxe telly which is just a telly version of the same thing yeah, it's a and then i've got my other strat which is hss so I can understand that. I was so, yeah. I had the bug. You you probably knew um, over the week. Yeah, he couldn't stop. Bugs. Yeah, I kept bugs, looking. He couldn't. Cannot. He cannot keep his eyes on the prize. No, this man well, could no, have no. a Kemper. Yeah. Well, yeah. It would take a few weeks, but yeah. And so, it, it, yeah. I, I'm not as far away as you think. I I, I have I have some cash. I fell I fell into some cash. I don't want. So I'm still gonna get the Kemper. I'm still uh, the eye on the prize is. I'm not buying it right now because I don't. I can't use it right now, except for using it at home. Not using it because for me, using it to be for, because it's just a tool. It is just going to be a tool. It's going to be for the for the gigs, and I want to get everything at the same time. I told, you know, and, and I want to get the FRFR. I want to get the pedal. And I want to get the Kemper, and I want to get it all in. And so that's just me. I, hate I know to, I'm weird. I hate weird. to interrupt you, but there's something you said in there, and I and I want to stop because. Jeff was talking, we have, for, for those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon. If you join the Patreon, yeah. you get invited to the Facebook uh, messenger group. That's that was a point I had for later, by the way, because I, I know what you're going to say. Yes, and we're going to come back to this, but we're I want to come back. I want to say this right now. Jim's calling, and, and just point this out. Jim's calling the Kemper, the Kemper a, tool. a tool. That's right. We're going to come right. back to that. We're so going to come ahead. back to that. And yeah. I actually had that as, as a note for tonight, by yeah. the way. <laughs> And that's what made me go, you know what? We need to have and, and that's our a Patreon really users, important description, listeners, description want, discussion. Yeah, we want to have another group chat where we have everybody do a voice thing. We want well, to have another show where we get the Patreons in here I, to I, uh, do the thing. We can but, have a little bit of a discussion here. I, I think we need to show Discord. Yeah, yeah. We do need to show Discord. Because I think I think that that uh, a show in Discord and show uh 
Instagram would be fun. Um, so anyway, well, I have an Instagram for the show, but I don't do yeah. a lot with it. Yeah, I don't either, and that's the problem. We if we get, don't do a lot, if with you don't it, have credentials, good. I'm giving you credentials because I think you're in guitar stores a lot more than I am. I'm in um, guitar store a lot, so like probably three times a week. And all those days. clips you get from the open mics and stuff can go in there as well. So yeah, yeah, that's true. And and I had uh, well, I'll talk about those in a minute because I really want to go back to those. So. Anyway, yeah, it came from going to an open mic and watching a guy do something. I I played his, and I was like, oh, I love this guitar. So um, I was like, oh, I had one of these. I got rid of it. It was stupid. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's what I've had. Anyway, so I I, I don't know about I this. It. I'm laughing because I know. Hold on, yeah. No, but so I used, saw used one. I'm still keeping it a secret here. So I saw used one. and. I went into Guitar Center. I said, hey, guys, I, I want to ask about a used one in another store. Can you get it in for me to play without me putting down more than, you know, 20%? They said, yeah, yeah, you can pay shipping and get it in. 20%, we'll bring it in. You can play it. All right, let's call a store. I just need to know two things. Is it Has it got the original case? And does it have locking tuners? So they call a store. It's got locking tuners. Got the original case. All right, that's cool. And I said, uh, he says, and it's got DiMarzio super distortions in it. I said, who the, took the, the uh, I don't want, I, I mean, I appreciate the people that like them. They, they are very popular no, no. metal. Jim, Jim, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Anybody who rips a PAS style pickup out of a guitar and puts super distortions in it, thinking that that's going to increase the value or thinking that that somehow is, is something someone else wants now. You're wrong. The reality is. That's a very specific thing that you've done to that guitar because most people who put super distortions in them back in the day were trying to push the amp harder. Nobody needs to push the amp harder now. We have master oh, volumes. That's just it. Yeah, the super distortions, and that's the again, um, that's the Nita Strauss uh, guitar there. She has a super distortion bridge, and as much as I love that guitar, I don't like that. They, so. Uh, so then I was like, all right, now I'm going down this rabbit hole because I'm a rabbit hole person and I'm in the rabbit hole. So I said, okay, you guys got a, you, you got a leftovers. You guys got leftovers from last year in, in the thing. Can you, can you take a look? Maybe we order one in. He goes, and the manager who's very straightforward with me, always straightforward with me, says, well, you know what? If I get one in, as much as you think that a used one, it won't be any better. He goes, these have been hanging on the wall most likely for over a year now almost two years, um, you're probably not going to see anything spectacular in there. And and they might be more beat up than normal. I said, well, give it a shot. Let's take a look. And he says, well, we got one left in stock. It's black, which is what I was looking at. He says, black, um, I can get it in. Let's let's call. He goes, let's call. It's in Fairfax, Virginia. So it would have been here tomorrow. Yeah, like I, quick. I did this yesterday. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I'd have it here tomorrow. All right. That would be great. So I go, oh, that's awesome. So he calls Fairfax and they say, yeah, you don't want it. It's got a broken headstock. Uh, <laughs> I think we're getting closer to narrowing down what Jim was looking at here. It's not what you think because I am doing a PAF one, but that's next. All right. So, or not a PAF one. I'm sorry. A, um, a P90. Uh, it's, uh, I'm looking at a P90 Les Paul right now. Yeah. But anyway, with the Kemper, by the way. So um, I got this guitar. I, I took it off the wall, and I played it. 
I played it through three amps. I loved it. I love the way, loved everything about it. And I said, yep, this is, this is the guitar I shouldn't have got rid of. Stop selling crap. I know. That's why I did not get rid of any of the guitars hanging behind me. Right. I added, but I did not subtract. So I did not sell anything. So here it is. Give me one second here. I don't. Big yeah. reveal. What is it? What do you think it is? It's either going to be one of those CEs or it's going to be that Les Paul. The, the... Nope. It's not the Les Paul. The Les Paul is next. By the way, the 50s Les Paul with the P90s is next. Yeah. But hold on. Here it is. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh Trouble. if it's something silly. If he got uh, an EC1000, I'm just going to crack up. Oh, <laughs> you should have kept the Pelham Blue. <laughs> Jim bought an SG. <laughs> Folks, Jim bought an SG. What am I supposed to do with you? It's the wrong color, so it's too. A, so it's a, it's a beautiful color. I love the I love the black. I'm sorry, but it's not a color. It's an absence of color. It's an absence of color. That's absolutely right. It's a it's an it's a total like whole. So what year? Color is what year is it? Into. It's a 2019 standard. Oh, you paid. Now, you paid. Oh no, I didn't. See, that's just it. So luckily. Let's just say, similar to your deal, I was there. Excuse I'm a good folks. customer. These are good people to me. They really cut me a deal. Well, I because I went in there intending to spend a thousand dollars. I didn't spend a thousand dollars, but I didn't spend fifteen hundred dollars either. No, which is what no, and I would never expect you to pay even the map price on that right now, especially no. after the Firebird X thing and all the other stuff they've had going on lately. Yep. <clears throat> so I got a, you know, I got a this year's guitar to, to last year's sale. No one's going to make you disclose it, Jim. <laughs> no. But it was, it was, it was good. And I got my 10% discount. Yeah. So they're willing. I, this is, um, I always think about the show Top Gear, right? If you were watching yeah. like the first couple of seasons of Top Gear, they had the guy that uh, would come out and talk about like what the best cars to buy right now are because they'll make like insane deals on them. Because right, they're not right. selling or whatever. Um, the reason why I bring this up is because this reminds me of that kind of situation. It there yeah. are certain guitars that you can go in and you can wheel and deal on, like a specifically ones that are not popular. And right now, SGs are probably the least popular thing that Gibson's making. That's it. Um, and so you can go in and you can make insane close. and talk them down, like even at Guitar Center. Um, in yeah. fact, I saw a guy couple weeks back looking at an sg and they were like they're like Can we make you an offer that was what guitar center told the guy was like we'd like to move this you know yep. um right now is the time to talk to them about any uh gibsons in general gibsons. are probably a good a good thing to wheel and deal on right now but i think yeah. specifically guitars like sgs 335s they're not going to deal with you maybe you might get a deal on les paul because they do sit uh, especially the like the higher end ones, like the standards and above. Um, yeah. Actually, the standards probably they won't make a deal with you on now. But the but anything above that, like a custom, they'll, the classics, yeah. they'll make a deal with you on right now. Yeah, traditionals, they're making deals. Anything on. prior to twenty eighteen, anything that's a twenty studios, they're moving cra like crazy. You wouldn't believe the studios are. Yeah, but I don't. Th I think studios are probably one of the more popular models anyway. They but, they go out the door, but like SGs, man. Yep. I, I have seen a lot of them go locally for like peanuts and new yep. ones. Um, yep. I bought the one I had for like eight fifty or something. I bought this guitar for used price. And I and and not to say 
Yeah, um, well, that's, that's what, exactly, Jim. Like eight fifty. Yeah. That's craziness for a it's for a standard. Yeah, it's insane. Um, now, granted, you're back in SG territory. Um, yeah. Anything that you miss about other guitars when you're playing your SG? The Les Paul. I miss. I mix. You know what I miss about the Les Paul? And this is this is the thing that that I. Um, I will say I'm not surprised you're going to tell me you missed the Les Paul because I because I know you like that guitar and I was really shocked that you treated it in figured tops. So they have a Les Paul in right now. I told him, I said, if if I could do that today, I would buy it right now. They have a a Les Paul traditional, which is way lower than the price they've got it listed online because in the you walk in the store, they usually and plus I know what the deal they give me. So I could get it down close to two grand. Let me tell you something. The traditional that they've got in the store right now, you can you can look down. You know how you look like like not straight on, but down it, and it's got the most figured top I have ever seen on Les Paul. Like the bubble on it is just so. I, I'm going to use this word, folks. Don't take it wrong. So sexy. It's just this gorgeous rounded top that just you put your hand on it and your and your arm just. Everything about it just goes. Yep. I, you know it's, it's funny because you're talking about Les Pauls, and I, all I can think is discomfort. I love. I I know, but not, they're not for everybody though. And no. and and the other thing is, uh, I, I I'll, I'll share this nugget for with our listeners and also you. The best Les Paul I've ever played was, and and, and this is going to sound absolutely insane because you know I've got Chicago Music Exchange local to me. Like oh, I go down I, there. Yeah. Probably yeah, twice a year. I mean, it's not right here, but like I can go down there twice a year. Um, yep. And I've seen stuff in our local stores. Um, I played not 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 any of the 60s ones I've played, not any of the 70s ones I've played, not even the 80s ones. I played Nick Bongers at, at Gear Fest. He's got a oh, yeah, that 50s. Early, no, he's got a 90s. Les Paul. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about that 50s one he got. No, he's he got a 90s. Up. That's not it. I don't consider that Les Paul. He's got a 90s Les Paul <laughs> standard. Yeah. I believe it's a standard. Yeah, and that were- thing was sick. But but he's also got his pickups in it, and it's and it's properly set up. And, yeah, oh yeah. and it just that makes a big sang. difference. It, like it sounded really good. It makes the one thing I can say. It's because um, our guitar. So most places, most guitar centers, they hand you the guitar, get out, get out the door. Right. My guitar center said, "What strings do you want?" John's over here. Um, who does our setups? John, John's going to set up your guitar for it. That's what they do for me every time, not just that yeah, guitar, but yeah. every time. And the, and the, I think that makes a huge difference. Um, so they've got a gold. They got a new, a used one in today when I walked in. They they got a used one in. It came in. It was a gold top and gold back and gold yeah, back of the day. Right. It was gold all the way around. I played it for about 20 seconds. I was like, oh my God, this is a gorgeous guitar. And just as they hung it up when I was done, another guy pulled it down and that was the same. Went right it out. Yeah. Gone. I'm telling you, Les Paul's, as much as people are yelling and screaming, oh, Gibson sucks and this and that and the other thing, They're, where I am, people still are loving I know people. Les so Paul's so I'm going to say something really unpopular, constantly. Jim. I think they're a yep. status symbol. They are for I mean, a lot of people. Like it doesn't matter whether Les Paul sounds good or not. They'll buy one just as a status symbol thing, and it's that that just that turns me off right away. 
Um, like I know, like I've played good Les Pauls too, but my whole thing is like I don't think guitars should be should be ornaments. I think we should play them. No, that is ab- absolutely. And so that's why I so there's a there's a uh, right now. Um, I'm I'm eyeing a uh, limited edition Bigsby setup, uh, Gibson Les Paul gold top with the it's it's a fifties it's a fifty six reissue. You had me until give, or until you said Bigsby. Yeah. Which means you never had me. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you say Bigsby? It is a pain in the rear rump. I don't hate you know what's a, I don't hate Les Paul. You know what the biggest pain in the rump is about a Les Paul with a Bigsby? Putting that damn thing in a case. No, no. Worst thing about Les Paul with a Bigsby? The fact that it has a Bigsby. Is a Lisby is a Les Paul with a Bigsby. Yeah. Well exactly. the, the Bigs the Bigsby's the worst. Look, I know that there are people that really like Bigsby systems, but in terms of like restringing and things like that, they're the worst to deal with. Oh, I I I'll never such own a pain one. In the rub. Just playing They're, around with them in the store, like looking how you have to actually restring them. I'm like, what? Why? Yeah, yeah. Don't do. It's not like a Floyd Rose. You're not going to block that thing. And do, that thing is a pain in the rump. If you have never changed strings on a Bigsby, yeah, you haven't lived. It's it's just like when people tell me they want a 12 string um, Rickenbacker. I go, oh sure, yeah. Wait till you change Wait, those strings. The first time you change that those strings, not, you're going to be like, I don't want a 12 string Rickenbacker anymore. Nope. No, that is such a pain in the rump. The the 12-string Rickenbacker, for those who've never um, had one, it's not like a regular 12-string. It's not, it's, it's not in a line. So they, the, every every one of the um, tuning keys is offset. Yep. And the problem is, now with the old ones, if you get a really old one, if you take the string out and you just leave things go, tuning key goes click. Yep. <laughs> gone. Oh, no, how do I get this back in? Yeah, and then um, you you just it's oh god. Can I can I since we're talking about twelve string Rickenbacker? Yeah, go ahead. I, I have experience with one, right? Yep. And um, it's it's a sixties model, right? Like yeah. it's from like uh-huh. sixty eight, sixty nine in that in that period, and it has this thing on it called the Drop Six. What the oh, Drop yeah. Six actually is is it's a little claw that sits yeah. underneath like where the pickups are at. And it will pull down. You you actually like maneuver it, and it pulls down six of the strings to six the yeah. fretboard, so that you theoretically won't be strumming them while you're playing it. That is the most asinine contraption I have ever seen in my life. I know, I, like I it's know a cool, exactly cool idea, but in modern playing, but like, how could you even use that? Because if you do, <sighs> if you do drop six, you can't bend. Nope. You. you I just, I, I, I honestly, when I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Cause then you could take a six, you know, 12 string and make it a six. But then and thinking about it, I was like, but that really doesn't make it anything like a six string guitar. It just drops six of the strings. It doesn't help out at all. And it doesn't make it easier to play. And it's, it's ridiculous. I know I played one. Who made that? That wasn't Dan Electro. That no, was, uh, that's Rickenbacker. Rickenbacker. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, I'll tell you, you know, that's a company we don't talk about much. None of us. Well, because you just don't see a lot of them. Yeah. But they are great. One thing you could say about a Rickenbacker, other than the 12 strings, I'm not a fan of the 12 strings. That doesn't mean they don't sound great because that jingle jangle sound. It's its own thing. It's its own great thing. Great 60s. It's just, you got to be a tech from heck to, to get them. My, my thing about the uh, Rickenbackers is you buy a Rickenbacker and it is good. Yeah. It, it, does, it, does it. What, it does what it says it's going to do. 
It is, and it is, it's not trying to, you're not going to push pull knob. It's not trying to be a Stratocaster. It's not trying to be a Les Paul. Yeah. It's not trying to be, it is trying to be exactly what it is. It's freaking Rickenbacker. Well, so this one has Ricco sound. So it has the two stereo outputs. And oh, like, so that's it, it's so a awesome. really, really cool guitar. And it's, and it's a vintage one. Um, and it's still in the possession of basically the, I believe he's the original owner. Wow. Um, that's cool. But what's crazy about, Rickenbacker to me is that they have they they're very unique. Like there's no guitar that plays like them, and even no. today their distribution and the way that they sell guitars is like completely esoteric. They don't yep. publish prices. They don't nope. um like the dealers are not allowed to sell them online. The dealers are also not allowed to publish the prices. Yeah, so so you have to go in. Yep. Yep. So if you see them online, like if you find a dealer, uh, Chicago Music Exchange is a dealer. I don't even think they put them up. They have them. You know, what, they, they'll put you know them up. what they can do? Okay. So the way around it for the dealers, I know this isn't going to get back to uh, to um, Rickenbacker because I doubt very much those people listen to our show, which is not that big. Um, dealers can actually list the guitars as used. Then you can publish price. Well, Yeah. But the thing is, they're not used, and they could get in trouble no. and lose their distribution contract for that. I know, and I that's know. and companies do that. In I've fact, seen it. the way I got that nine hundred ninety nine nine dollar deal on the premium AZ this weekend was it was listed as used, and then I I inquired is still doing that. I inquired and I said I can get a used AZ right now from Guitar Center for like seven fifty eight hundred dollars. Why would I buy yours? And they and I was like, give me a better offer, and I'll and I'll consider it. And then they came back and they said, well, we can give you a new one in case for $9.99. And I went, that's the guitar that you have listed. That's not like, I'm not stupid. I know what that meant. Uh, all right, paper, you'll have papers and it'll be warrantied and everything. I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah, but I'm going to have to like go to you to get that warranty repair because you're the only one that's going to honor that warranty. Right. Because, because you sold it as you. Right. I'm not going to have a receipt. I'm not, you know, like. It was the whole thing. So that's kind of why I balked on that deal. Cause I'm like, you know, as much as I don't think I'll need a warrant. Cause like I just pay to have the work done. I don't care. Um, I, I don't plan on having a lot of work done to it. Um, you know, that, that was cool with me. So anyway, Jim, you, you ended up with, uh, with your guitar. I ended up with mine. Um, yeah. you, are you still getting your, uh, probably Benton? I am. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. Yep, I uh, I may have uh, talked to another podcast host about buying a Harley Benton. Yep i uh, I am ordering it uh, probably this week. I it takes like three weeks, I think, or more to get overseas. But it depends on uh, what he's willing to sell it for. But I'm interested in a Harley Benton that somebody else owns, and yeah. I inquired about it. It's not even on the market yet, so I'm like, you're gonna get rid of it. Like I'll. Oh yeah, you know I. I think I, I might know be able to sweep some money your way. Do I? Do I know the person? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, the, the thing that I um, uh, now I'm sitting here eyeing freaking Rickenbackers. Get away, Jim. Um, no, because Jim, Jim, I've wanted a 360 Maple Glow for a long no. time. No, anyway, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But anyway, so because anyway. um, it's it's only a, no, it's not because I can't afford They're it. Like four it's grand. Two grand. Dude. No, it's only two grand. But the thing, the thing about it is, is um, if I got a, a 360 maple glow, it's only good for that. Yeah, it's only good like, if you want to play the birds, booty blues, and the birds, and, and the birds. Yeah, that's about it. So anyway, um, 
And I'm not doing, I'm not writing that kind of music. Some kind of Come on. Yeah. I could just or, see him oh, well, like, well, um, my religion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or or uh, what is it, Tom Petty? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean the Heartbreakers are pretty much. That's yeah. like all Rick and Bockers and Telecasters. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How do, make a, how do you make a how do you make a fifties less? How do you make a Heartbreakers record? <laughs> Telecasters, yeah. and, Telecasters and Rick and Bockers. That's Rick, it. Twelve string Rick and Bockers. Oh, AC thirties. Yep, and vintage AC thirties. Uh, Handwired. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we talked about, oh, the Harley Benton. We were talking about the Harley yeah. Benton. I, w- I want to do something real quick, folks. This is kind of a, an outtake. I'm going to do a commercial for another podcast. Our folks at 60 Cycle Hub did a really cool thing. Yeah, that, and, that uh, video, it touched my heart when I saw it. And I got to see it early. Yep. It touched my I, heart. I literally, got a, I literally got a tear in my eye. I just want to give a shout out to Ryan uh, Burke. Um, dude, he's the for freaking what he coolest did. dude I know. Yep. It's stupid. You are you are so freaking cool. I can't stand you, you son of a whatever. <laughs> I I <laughs> but you are an awesome guy and we love you, man. Dude, I can't so, I can't imagine like and I did that. I gave away my first guitar to somebody, but I can't like it wasn't like that. It wasn't a stranger on the street and it wasn't, right. you know, it wasn't perfectly good like it had been you, you know what I mean? Like that yep. that whole situation was just it was outstanding, and and I hope yep. this video like just explodes, skyrockets, share it everywhere, people. Yes. Get it, get that thing out there. We need Let's more acts like that. Obama. That's how we get. We need more people that. to actually play guitar, is to do things that inspire people, and that was. I could see the inspiring. look in that kid's eyes. Yeah, and it was like, wow. I could. Uh, it, that was. That was probably one of the most sincere things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, dude. Because there's so much. Crap I know he had it internet. in him too. Because like I, yeah, you. When you meet him, you'll see how genuine he actually is. And like, yeah, yeah. dude, it, I'm not surprised that he did it, but it's just, yep. it's like, it's still one of those moments where it's like, yeah, he, he deserves all the credit yep. he gets for that one. Um, yep. I don't know, man. So one of the things um, that's been driving me crazy yep. and, and I posted about it in our Patreon message thing today. Like I, I just joined all of the fanboy groups I'm a part of, like the Helix group, the Kemper KPA group, uh, a couple of because they're filled with negativity. We've talked about this on the show before, but like something happened. Yeah, I want to me. talk about one. Something next. happened to me with a with somebody who's kind of a rogue YouTuber. I, I'm oh. not going to go into who he is, but Captain Negative. But I am going to tell the st- I am going to tell the story. So we so we know this guy. We've had yeah. A dozen conversations, a with, him. Dozen conversations with him over the past like two years. Um yep. he was he was involved in Shengze, like he was one of the guys that was receiving guitars from Shengze. And then he turned around and uh we found out because of that, like he'd been ex- he'd been accepting Chinese guitars from companies for for um, for years. Yep. And he had a successful YouTube channel doing it until YouTube, of course, decided that that's piracy, uh copyrighted material, and so they dumped him. Um, yep. and then he went to Facebook, which doesn't really care. And he's got a successful, well, at, you know, Facebook's video channel is not, you're not successful if you're on there. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so there's just not a, a big viewership, but anyway, he has a channel over there now and uh, apparently he's trying to get back into YouTube. So he's got a new channel and, uh, a couple days ago he bought, uh, it was in the Helix group. He bought a Kemper KPA or the the uh stage the kemper stage right and uh he was shooting him out with his helix floor 
And so I had like a really strange interaction with him in the sense that I opened my mouth and I said, the things you're saying right now are complete garbage. And I'm like, I have experience with both products too. And I, and your experience is completely different than mine and completely different than many people's that are in the KPA group or the, the Helix group. I'm getting confused. Um, and I look, I'm okay with that. You want to, you want to have yeah. your conversation and do your thing yeah. and like, not like a product. That's fine. The problem right. is when you start saying things like, oh, well, this one's built like crap. I'm like, according to who? Yeah. Uh, or the, the user interface is terrible. Well, really, in this product, user interface is important, but it's not as important as sound quality. Because well, I, I want to say something about that user. important how you use it. <laughs> I want to I address that user interface thing. If you were going to buy one of the floor units based on user interface alone, the head rush would win because that's got a touch. Oh, I was getting there. Yeah. That you drag and drop. So you should have said, well, then why didn't you buy a head well, rush? Well, I didn't want but to. Anyway, go I ahead. Wasn't, look, I wasn't trying to start a fight publicly. I'm not that dude. So right, as, right. as a part of this conversation, he came back and he sent me a message and he said, like, let's have a conversation about it. I'd really like to learn to use the, the Kemper properly and I'm having issues with it. And I really want to like this unit. So I'm taking him at his word, right? And I think I'll, I'll share some th some theories on what happened at the end. But basically, I talk him through the process. As part of this conversation, he reveals to me that his favorite amp that he's ever owned was the Spider 3. Now, don't, <laughs> Jim, I know that I know the re immediate Sorry, reaction is to laugh. But, and, and I agree. I laughed. I literally. That's, that's mean of me. It really is mean no, of me. No, no, it's sorry. not. No, it's not. Because what that means is you are completely comfortable playing a digital amp. Not only a digital amp, but a digital yeah. amp that sounds like trash to 90% to yeah. of people, right? Or 70% or right, right. of people. Again, if that's your tool and you can get away with it, more power to you. You have the cheapest amp on planet Earth. Um, Do it go for it. Like, I can't make that work for me. I'm, I know Jim can't make that work for him. And I know a dozen other people that cannot make that amp work. So I tried. Um, so that's they had one in our church and I tried. I could not dial a sound into that thing for one. So the point of this is um that he's coming from a very different place than I am, right? So my whole thing with the Kemper is that it sounds like a tube amp to an extent, right? As close as right. the, as close as we can approximate. But it right. but what it really drives me is it feels like a tube amp. And I have said yeah. that numerous times on this show. That is the most important thing to me when buying an amplifier. I don't care if it's got tubes in it or not. I care if it feels right. And so even if I play an amp that doesn't have tubes in it, I don't I don't look behind. I don't I mean I'm not looking to see what's in it. I don't care. It literally makes no difference to me. The way that I bought my katana, I plugged into a Morgan. I plugged into a uh Supro Black Magic. I think it was a yep. JCM 800 that they had there. And then I was like, I can't afford any of these amps right now, but I need something as a backup right now. So I walked right, out on right. the floor and I started plugging into other amps and I plugged into the code. I plugged into, um, there's some solid state stuff and like, you know, other digital amps. Um, and I ended up plugging into the Katana and the Katana was the one that reacted to my picking the strongest. 
I could pick cleanly and softly, and I was getting clean sounds. If I pick hard, I'd get distorted sounds. That's what I expect from an amp. I expect it to overdrive and push. And you hear that warmth and that, I hate to wax philosophical here, but that bloom. Um, bloom is a yes. thing that happens when I do my first pour on my Chemex. <laughs> um, oh, God. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, there's a little coffee humor for folks. Um, but anyway, so this is the point, right? So Chris, th th this person that we're, we're – and I'm going to call him Chris for the remainder of this, but I'm not going to say his last name. Yeah. Um, he is a he's an individual <laughs> that comes from a different place. And yes. that's fine. Like I get yeah. that side of it. But to go around and say something sucks or it's terrible because you don't like it or you're not able to use it properly, that's poor right. etiquette. Period. Right. Well, I think here was my th issue with it. So he gets on there and he makes the the video. And the video you can listen to it for yourself. More than and one then, video, of course, Jim. Then we'd have to he tell made who it was. three. Right. Three. Three videos. And in all three videos, the Kemper sounded oh, better. Oh, yeah. And he even said, yes. Kemper sounds better. I wish I had this sound in my helix. Yep. I love the sound of this Kemper. Then said, but I'm not. So know. here's his complaint. I'm going to share his complaint with the world. His complaint okay, is. You, you spoke with him directly. Yeah. His complaint I, is I when I took that. it to a gig, it got lost in the mix. So I offered him some solutions. I said, okay, goose your mids. And yep. I said, go into the, the deep editing menu. And there's a couple settings I suggested he look at and consider changing. And to actually fight his instincts a little bit. Because that's the, our first instinct is to make it sound good by itself. But if you make it sound good by itself, you put it in a group, in a group context, yep. it's not going to sound good. I can't tell you how many times I've had that. And problem. I also, even with a tube, and I also confirmed he uses the same monitoring system that he uses when he's playing out, and he's allegedly making the patches at the same volume level. Who knows, you know? Um, but there were some other things that he had problems with, like I can't split, and I, and I, and honest to God, I can't. I, I, I understand what he was asking, but I'm like, why would you want to do that? He wants to send. Mm -hmm. He wants to send an effects out send or you know, any output into a stage wedge of just his guitar and then send another wedge out to the PA. Why would you want to do both? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, if you're going to send it out to the PA, then just use a monitor mix and have your right. guitar mixed with the rest of the band. Cause that's the way I would do it. Like yeah. no questions. Asked. That's the way I anybody would, would do it. to do it that way. Um, but why would you do? He apparently wants I mean, I a get dry it. guitar mix on the floor there. But why? I mean, I get it. I kind of get it because reverb does change if it comes. But you're not hearing it through there. You're going to get through the monitor. So here's here's the really funny part, right? So he was saying, oh, this is not possible or whatever. And initially, I didn't think it was. But then I got on my manual. I, I browsed around and I found, yes, there is, in fact, a way to do this via the XLR outs even, which is right. which is. So basically what you do is you map both XLR outs to a mono of the main output send from the Kemper. And you and yep. each of them are basically their own mono out, right? Right. You run one to your thing. Now, maybe he's thinking, yep. well, I want a stereo out and then I want to just send one send out to the other. But I'm kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. The Helix doesn't have three XLR outputs. Nope. So how are you too. doing it on there? Because he's like, oh, well, the Helix does it. No, not, not no. if you're doing it the way I think you're doing it which is a stereo out to the board and then a single XLR out. 
you would have to, you would have to, there would be some skullduggery going on there. You'd have to have a direct box or yeah. something, um, yep. which, you know, it's, this is Could. not a typical use case scenario. And yeah. to quote him, he said that, I, I believe it was with regard to that. He said, there's a pile of dicks or something like that. And I, I'm like, okay. Like, so I'm being totally nice, this dude, like trying to walk him through this and like talking to him about this. And it was a pretty clear, like, the course of the conversation, he'd already made up his mind. Like he had already decided that he was going to stick with the Helix. I don't know why he was having this conversation with me because he reached out to me. Right. So yeah, then yeah, I got yeah. to thinking, like I saw him make some posts. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't get involved. And then this morning I saw him talking to uh Terrence, Terrence Young, who is, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, well, you saw the video I sent you. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's an incredible player. player. Yeah. Um, and he does professional level gigs and, he uses, yeah. by the way, he uses the Kemper. I believe he also uses the Axe Effects, and he uses the um, the Line Six Helix. And I I saw him do his Kemper video that morning on the KPA page, and I was like, man, like that guy can play. And then I go over and I see him because I've seen him in other groups too. I see him in uh, the Helix group, and I see this person that I'm having this interaction with, Chris, uh, having a like having a tizzy, like. You don't need to, you don't need to Kemper. It sounds like trash or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to fight. I'm not, I, I just, I don't need this negativity. Like it's, it, it just dawned on me. This is so much fanboyism. And then, it, and then like almost immediately after that, I realized what was really going on. He's made three videos on YouTube and he's posting them in the Kemper or in the Helix group, slamming yeah. the Kemper. So what he's doing is he's stirring up the fanboys to go watch his videos and hopefully gather more viewers right. for his new burgeoning channel. And and then that's yep. when it, it it dawned on me. This guy is like, he's playing the game like really hard. And it's kind of scary because somebody like me and or, and or Jim, we may not have caught on to that initially. And we're doing the same things in a lot of, in, not in the same way. Like we're not trying to manipulate the system into getting people to, to listen to our podcast. But we're, you know, we have taken out ads before and those kinds of things to get people to, yeah, to like find yes. us and hopefully the content sells us. But um, I just, I felt very wronged by this. Um, it made me feel stupid, number one, because it's like, why didn't I realize this in the first place? And then I got to thinking like, I mean, I'm probably playing into his hands right now, but I, but I, I, I think our listeners are smart enough to know if you hear me talking about this, don't go see these videos out. Don't bother. You're wasting your time. Right. Um, but but the reason I bring this up is because this is a this is a form of shilling for someone's YouTube channel. And and it was pretty clear um to me that uh he knew that I had a podcast because we've talked before, and he's going, if I can stir him up, then he'll get mad at me on his show and he'll drive and listeners share to our videos. Video. And I got news for you. Yep. I'm not I'm not giving the guy's full name to our full listenership. I did mention it in the Patreon nope. group because somebody asked, but I, and I am not putting his videos in the show notes. I refuse. That is ridiculous. So I've got a video I want to talk about. Um, that's... One more thing before we, before we move on and, and, and seriously, keep that in mind. Cause I, I want to come back to your video that I will not share. I'll go Bruce, ahead. Uh, and I don't want Bruce Agnator, famous name, right? Like yep. everybody knows Agnator amplification yep. from a couple of years ago. Uh, he's the pioneer of these modular guitar amp systems. I, I, 
I would be highly doubtful that he's the first person to do a modular guitar amp, but he does have patents on it. And uh, he, he holds pretty much like the only person who's done it somewhat successfully. Um, and he's done it three times, right? So he did the Eggnator system and then he went over and he did, uh, he did the Randall modular system, which those I think were backwards compatible. And now he's doing Synergy. So he's, he's the, uh, the main, main head honcho for engineering over at Synergy. Um, Oh, that's Which what he's doing now. Okay. Makes total sense, right? Like he's the pioneer of this. Yeah. Like he would be the guy that holds all the keys. Um, he seemed like a good dude. He teaches an amplifier class, which I was very interested in taking. I would like to go and like learn to build amps. It's something that would Yeah, really learn to build amps, yep. And I may still do it at some point. But um I see him posting in the Kemper group, the KPA group, which is the Kemper yep. Owners Association or whatever, like people who basically are Kemper users group. And um right. he's he's this is what gets me. He's shilling for his product. He's shilling for Synergy. He's in the group and he's literally saying things like, I don't understand why people are buying Kempers when all guitar players pretty much only need four sounds. Like something like Synergy seems to make more sense to me. And how? Oh, and then boy. like he, yeah. he was like kind of asking the question, like how many of you use more than two sounds on a gig? And I wanted to be like, you know what? That's none of your damn business. So what I did do was I called him out in the group. I, I posted a, I posted a response to one of his things, and I said, you are shilling. And I said, I don't like it. I said, I have no clout here. But I said, somebody needs to call you out. And when the word show comes up, everybody will know that that's what you're doing. And I was like, second off, not everybody knows who your, your name right now because, you know, there might be newer guitar players and stuff. Um, but you, you're Bruce Egnator. Like, you, what are you doing? Because because now you're giving your company a bad name too, meaning either yep. Eggnator Amplification or Synergy in this case, because everybody or knows Synergy. he's involved with that. So at this point, now he's just looking like an idiot. And I I, I did reach out to him directly, and I said, you know, I, I actually invited him on the show. I said I would love to talk about Synergy on our on our podcast. Uh, I I actually am really excited about that product. I've seen it in action. Um, I think yep. it's, I think for a very specific user group, I think it's a fantastic tool. Um, I have my criticisms of it, but I think they're minor criticisms. But my main thing was like, look, I'm going to send you a private message and I'm going to explain to you why people are buying model digital modeling products over, over two bands. And my explanation was basically price. You're, you're, you're yep. talking about a system that is $1,700 for buy-in. It's $1,300 yep. for buy-in. You have to have a $1,300 amplifier and then modules on top of that. So if you're going to buy one module and a $1,300 amplifier to start with, how much money is that, Jim? That's $1,800. Exactly. So plus tax. One. For one, one module. module. So you have a one – well, I think, they, I think they're dual channel. So you'd have a dual yeah. channel amp. But, I mean, that kind of defeats the purpose, right? I can go buy – it's like if I buy the deluxe reverb module and I put it in the Synergy system. And, yeah, it's got Haybor transformers and all that. But I could go buy a deluxe reverb reissue for seven hundred bucks. Yeah, like why would I do that? Or get the new digital one, and it's, oh, and it's let's even not lighter. talk about that. Um, <laughs> let's not let's not go down that path. Uh, although I applaud your effort, my friend. Um, I I mean, it, and that and that's kind of what I told. Him. It's like there's a there's a Product price placement. barrier, and I said there's also an exploratory barrier for many guitar players that don't have access to all this like really expensive vintage gear. This is the way they experience it is through these digital emulations. And then a lot of times they'll go out and buy the real deal. Uh, my uh, my Sweetwater rep, Brant Miller, 
uh, got introduced to matchless amplifiers through the Line 6 Flexstone 3. He owns a matchless now uh, and several matchless-like amps. And that's my point, is that these are a gateway to something more... Right, yeah. bigger. And so yeah. I don't think somebody like Bruce should be looking at so much as competitors because they're really not the same market space. But no. I mean, alas, he obviously no. feels threatened, which makes me wonder about the val- uh, how, how well Synergy is doing, which kind of frightens me um, because he's going around these groups saying this, like, that does not sound like a healthy company behavior. That sounds right. like a company on the brink. Um, yeah. But be that as it may, I, I wish Synergy the best. I hope their product endures. I would like to have a Synergy system someday. Um, but I think that there needs to be another generation and perhaps a lower price point. We should talk about the number of sounds. But uh, first, I want to talk about another video. Right. Because this is my show in my show notes. So I saw another video that said, I'm not going to slam Gibson, that proceeded to slam Gibson. And I'm not going to slam Gibson specifically the about the destruction of those guitars, no. And I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to give this guy the time of day. I, I put a dislike on his thing and yep. moved on. But um, and I didn't watch the whole thing because he did. It, he spent the first five minutes doing exactly what he said he wasn't going to do. But I, I saw some other videos that talked about this, and what they were talking about, what the guy was talking about, was simple. He was talking about the fact that Gibson destroyed all this wood and it could have been used in other ways. And and I want to make so I wanted to make something clear because it's it's a it's a difficult thing. First of all, the amount of wood that goes into guitars, because we're guitarists, we feel there's a shitload. Sorry. You can bleep that. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> um there, there is not as much wood as you think. I mean, yes, there is there is wood that that um, gets wasted, but not as much as back in the fifties when when they weren't as as uh, well. They weren't worried as we, much. We talked it. about this before. And, I mean, I yeah. Mean, but here's the thing: so a lot of it goes into here's a, it, so this guy was talking about it, he was talking about it like it was blood diamonds that there are people out there killing each other over getting um, access to rosewood and these governments that are being uh, manipulated into selling the rosewood. And and other woods. First of all, That's, those those Gibson that were destroyed had maybe what five pounds of rosewood total. I mean, it, they they were all the fingerboard was the only thing rosewood. Yeah, I mean, it, well, um, and it, yeah, I, and then it was. But that's silly because that's not what the rosewood embargo in CITES was all about, anyway. Right, and the, and the right, I know. And then he was talking about the mahogany. And stuff. Here's here's the thing, and he said all those guitars weren't weren't dangerous. Actually, they you have to ensure uh, that you don't want you don't want one of those guys getting. I, I'm not saying this happens, but if a bunch of those caught on fire, that the the fumes from that fire would be very noxious. And and uh, so, I think yeah, that's personal, but that's beside the point. Here's here's the thing I was getting at. So a few weeks ago, I saw this special on uh, Sunday morning television and they were talking about how these companies buy these products like overstock.com right macy is it may not macy's um nordstrom uh, rack and all that stuff yeah the, yeah the the um Re- the, the budget the, the budget yeah, places yeah. 
Okay, so they buy this stuff in, in big bulk. A large amount of that stuff winds up in landfills, people. If you want to start thinking about companies to go after, it's stop. Big we lots, import. overstock.com. Well, overstock.com. Yeah. So I have. Th- I'm not saying don't buy stuff. Yeah, from I mean, I'm just saying. That- I'm just saying this is a generalization because I know overstock. I, I've worked for companies who've done business with them. So <laughs> that's all other thing. It's, yeah, it's a whole circle of, of unfortunately, uh, they call it a life cycle of, of a product. So some of these products, just like that, what am I going to do with that? hair? That's why I mentioned the hair conditioner in the beginning. Yes. So what am I going to do with those two bottles of hair conditioner? I got to go to the landfill. All right. Am I going to give them to the poor? Does a poor person need my well, hair they conditioner? they do, but there's really not Maybe. a safe, sanitary way to do that. So but Yeah. And so, so then I throw it away. That's not So do I dump it down I the think, toilet? That's I think you should pour it on some metal and see how fast it rusts. See, I'm t- I, yeah. So I'm, I'm caught into a, a, because I am, I'm very conservative. I, I throw away one bag of trash a week. Yeah. Okay. One. I recycle. So I am conscious of the environment and I do care. And so it bothers me to think that we're all in this uproar over peanuts um, all these guitars that were that were yeah uh, peanuts in the in the grand scheme of things think about next time your furniture store look in the back go to a furniture store yeah back look at the stuff that gets trashed yeah and think about the the person that bought that brand new couch and the entertainment center and everything else that already had yeah one. and then got got at home and they were like oh i don't like the color or i don't like like there's a, something wrong with the construction or yeah. something um or those ones that come in and they, and they well, think they're going to sell, they don't sell. They I think wind that's up, the le- the least important reason to look at the Gibson video is like from a conservationist ex- perspective. Because let's face it, they're demoing a factory, folks. They're ripping it apart. You know, that's like, this is just a part of that. So it's just, right. you know, this stuff goes on. Like, you're not going to be able to stop it. And, and Gibson can't no, stop and it. And it goes on in all Fender does it all the time. Every guitar you buy, if it has a fancy top on it and that top is carved, guess what? You bought the whole blank. That's Not right. you, you bought, bought the, the sawdust plank. they threw in the garbage. That that beautiful figure top I was talking about earlier on that Les Paul. There's a lot of sawdust as a result of that gorgeous yep. top. Yep. And and do you do you not buy it because of that? Do we not buy any more figure stuff? The, maybe the best thing we can all do is only have box stuff. You know, you yeah, see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, we've gone to a ridiculous is all I'm saying. Well, how about so this guy, how about, Jim, this is going to be an unpopular thing and I'm going to say it cause I'm going to be controversial, but I'm going to, I'm going to put this to the group. How about if I tell everybody in the group, stop buying more guitars because that's, yeah. that's a, the most conservationist thing you could do is to get the guitar companies to stop buying guitars or building guitars. Here's another guitars. one. Stop buying amplifiers yeah, and cabinets. They're made of wood. The, the ones that are made of wood. Stop buying them. If you're so worried about it, stop buying those. Yep. Because they're made of Dude, wood. And and we have this man Oh, and doing all those two bamps. <laughs> <laughs> we have this mentality that um everything we buy is gonna last forever and it's gonna be an heirloom. And I know because I'm guilty of it when I was a kid. Like when I bought guitars, I think like this will be my signature model someday or whatever. And like because I, you know, you yeah, yeah, we all I have our fantasies. Dream. But I you stop dream. and you think about it, and you're like, 
it's now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I, I don't even care if I have one. Um, I'm kind of like looking at my situation. And I'm going, well, signature model, like none of these guitars really mean all that much to me, except for, you know, like the chosen few that are still hanging around from that period. And, and the reality right. is this, that like, they're basically the same guitars that existed before them. I mean, <laughs> like it's not, there's nothing really all that special here. Um, and so why did, why have I had 10, you know, why did I just stick with the, exactly. the three that I need? So yep. whatever. I have four. Yeah. Well, four yeah, but I mean, like if we, if but, we uh, to be honest with you, I'll probably bring two to any game. Yeah. But if we went back, if we went back in time, we like looked at the amount of guitars we've owned. Like we're not conservationist people at all. And I guarantee you some of the guitars that I had are in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I know what I, I burned one of them. Uh, so <laughs> I, I put lighter fluid on that thing and torched it. The, I sent it into guitar heaven. <laughs> so you can hate on me too. That plank of plywood. <laughs> was it, uh, was it so, the silver tone? <laughs> yes, it was the silver tone. And it was an original silver tone, folks. And yes, I burned that thing. And, and you I, still I have zero remorse. <laughs> None. All right, so let's talk about that tool thing. We want to come back to that. So in a, um, we, we have a Patreon group. You guys are welcome to join it or not. But if you are in the Patreon group, regardless of the price point that you're in at, you become a Patreon member and you get to um, get in on some of the back um, uh, conversations we have during the week, which can blow up your phone. I have yeah, yeah, it's hilarious because like every once in a while there'll day. be like 10 conversations oh. going on in there at once. They go crazy. Um, fun time to be had by all. So uh, today, I think it was, right? Today, the conversation was, um, revolved uh, around, you know, the, the Chris thing. And then um, uh, Dan Kish. Jeff. No, uh, Jeff Bizidecki. Did I say Bizidecki. the name right? Bizidecki. Bizidecki. Jeff mentioned that um, he really didn't see guitars as a tool. I'm going to say my side of it first because I know you have – I know where you're going. But I, I had, I took notes, so I want to say this before we go. I can shut up for a minute. I, I know you can, but it's, only it's for a really minute. Hard. So I'm gonna go fast. It, it, <laughs> all right, so I can see him. He's got his his hand over his mouth. He's doing this, folks, with his this thing. I'm mean, yeah. Ooh. He's like Kenny. <laughs> so um, anyway, Jeff made a point that he sees a guitar more like. Um, and I'm going to say why I think it's not. This is more like a brush, like like a painter's brush, right? And that the painter's brush is more of a craftsman device that allows him to create the colors. I'm going to say this. I see the components of a guitar like the things that he's referring to. The pickups, the, the pots, the strings. In other words, our our um, uh, the wires the, the the I see the guitar as the brush and a brush as a tool, but the brush allows me to dip into the colors and then display the colors. So, in other words, I still see the guitar itself as a tool, and I think it's important distinction. Um, in that a brush, some people like a thick brush, they like a handle with a Thick handle. Some people like a light handled brush. Some people like plastic ones. Some people like wooden ones. You know, if you talk to artists who do this kind of thing, 
Holy smoke, that thing is as personal as a guitar is for any of us, which is as personal as underwear is for everyone that wears them and is not going commando today. So in in other words, when you're when the you're doing the broad stroke, the stroke that that you're doing, I think the pickups are your are your uh and your strings and all those things. I think those are your paints. And those are not tools. Those are the the color palette from which we choose. Is that does that make sense to you? I, I don't know. That's where I was. That's all I wanted to say. Right. So we've done our philosophy on the show, but I'm but I'll but I'll take it back to the good old days. Um I believe and and this is my definition of music, and, and I'm gonna go from the big to the small like I usually do. Um for me, the definition of music is taking sound and organizing it over time. So in in an analogy to talk about paintbrushes and, and paint and art, like a piece of music is not the dots on the page. It is the organization of sound over time. Now, the way that we produce that sound could be any number of things. It could be pots and pans being banged together. It could be the ticking of a clock, right? Um, it could be cash registers going off like in money. Um, and the way that we we record these things are either we do it with sheet music or we do it with um, a record, like an actual physical recording, or we do it with, you know, digital recording or however else. Right. So that's the way that we that's the canvas that we paint on is these different forms of media. Um, and I know we don't typically think of of um, written music being a canvas like that. But if you stop and you think about the way they did it in the Middle Ages, they didn't hear the music before they played it. Like they were often just playing it on the page and they had to trust that their translation of that was correct. Um, and it was up to the, it was up to the conductor to determine whether or not that was how they wanted to hear the music. So um, that's why live music is such a thing. It's that it's a performance art in the sense that the performance is actually part of the artwork. It's part of that canvas. Um, and what goes onto that canvas is sound. Um, so I would argue that the paints are sound, right? And that the way that we manipulate those paints are through, you know, and, and and you're right. It's not just the guitar, right? Like that's the easiest way to look at it. It's like looking at a brush, right? But it's, it's, there's more truth than that. There's obviously amplifiers and cables and all that stuff. If you get an electric guitar and, and pedals and a whole bunch of other pieces of that. But to give you, give you some perspective, my, my, uh, my mother actually, she paints watercolor and um, she uses horse hair brushes uh, with, you know, typical wooden construction. Um, they're, they're not spectacular, but they are any, you know, traditional brush like that is, is fairly expensive. Um, and some of the other tools she uses is like mastic. So if you have to paint something that's white, what you do is you put this, this material down over the, over the, um, surface of the area that's going to be white and you actually either peel it off or you remove it with like an eraser. Um, and those are some of the things that people don't realize that goes into making a, a watercolor painting, right? Um, if you've never painted watercolor, then you're crash course. Um, I think that those principles still apply in music, but they're in a different way. And so I actually completely agree with Jeff. Um, and this was something that was really enlightening to hear somebody say, because I used to be the guy that was like, no, it's just a tool. Like you can like tools. I mean, everybody has a favorite hammer or a favorite drill or a favorite, you know, hacksaw or what <laughs> hacksaw. If your favorite tool is a hacksaw, I want to shake your hand. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm just saying that that everybody has their their favorite uh, item in the toolbox, right? Um, 
and so when I hear um when I hear someone talking specifically about uh you know paintbrushes as an analogy for the guitar and the whole ecosystem that makes up our the, the the instrumentation of a guitar so I think guitar is really a system that includes the guitar any sort of amplification any sort of effects and cabling and all that stuff um and we have the, the tonal hierarchy t-shirts for those of you that are interested you can find them on our threadless store i had people asking me about that when i was out uh at the open mic yeah go ahead, so, go ahead. um why i think this analogy works so well is because it explains the preference thing completely and even for for one person my mother does not just paint with one brush folks she has a whole slew of wooden brushes. Some of them actually still are synthetic. Some of them are actually natural horsehair. Um, and and so when you when you stop to consider that all these different tools exist, and then you think about mixed media, and you you got people you know incorporating synthesizers and MIDI and stuff like that. Like this this analogy is perfect, and it's and it's really like if anybody if you've ever picked up a guitar and uh, felt like this guitar inspired you to play in this other way, like this other distinct manner. Or if you picked up a guitar and you, or you're in a studio or you're recording something in your house and you go, I really need a Les Paul on this track because that sound is appropriate for what I'm doing here. Or those kind of decision-making, that's no different than the artist saying, I need a, a broader swipe here and I need to get more water in the brush, you know, to hold, to hold more paint pigment in the brush. Now, the the colors that's you know sound in general but it could be something as simple as this is a loud sound or this is a soft sound or this is a major chord or a minor chord or you know it, it, it can get very complicated or it can be very simple um classic examples tone clusters anybody's familiar with music theory if you've ever gone down that path a tone cluster is basically just a cluster of notes that you hammer down with your hand on a keyboard um but that's that's essentially what i'm getting at here is that uh, yes, there are many components and we, and we can't leave technique out of it. You know, the heart, the artist still has to hold the brush. Um, and many artists can use one brush to do many things, but it really comes down to their technique. And even then, if you took two artists and gave them the same brush, you're going to be able to tell the artists apart because the way that their strokes look. And so that's, that's ultimately what's going on here. So we're talking about individual variation. So even that the idea that you can take something like Steve Vai and put it through John Petrucci's rig, which was actually mentioned by Jeff, um, and then it's still going to sound like Steve Vai just through John Petrucci's rig, like absolutely. And I think that also harkens back to the tone versus technique thing. And I didn't say this the last time we talked about it, but I'm I'm tying my fingers together right now because tone and technique are are very close. They're separate, but they're intertwined. And we can use techniques to do a lot of those same things, which is what makes this whole abstract concept so bizarre. But I think Jeff right. said something that's like really important. It is. It's extremely important. And to, to build on what you just said, we've talked a million times about how so-and-so can play through so-and-so's gear and sound like himself or herself, yep. right? And uh, matter of fact, let's use the word, let's use the word themselves. All right. So if that's the case, um, and, and it is the case, by the way, then when I go to your house or you come to my house, you play through my Marshall, I play through your Kemper, we're going to sound like ourselves. 
and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further. Have you ever heard a really good um, uh, what do you call it when a person talks like another person? They uh, yes. impressionist, right? Impressionist. All right. I've heard some bad ones um, too, but we're not gonna go there tonight. Yeah, but you've seen <laughs> uh, what was this? Dana yeah, Carvey yeah. Uh, wasn't that? He was great. Um, he used to do George Bush, right? Um, all kinds of people doing really really good uh, impressions. Um, there was that one guy, Frank. Uh, Frank Sumrunner used to do a ton of impressions. Right, right. He was really good. Uh, I did John Madden. Everything. My point is this. If you listen to the impressionist, and then you listen to the real person. Right away, you go, oh, yeah, that's totally different. But when you first hear the impressionist, and when as you listen to them, you're like, oh, it sounds just like them. You know why? Because they pick up on the, th the things that you normally would associate with that person, but not. All right. of the things that that person does, right? the The way they form yeah. a vowel, the way that they they truncate their words, the way that they, they actually have they to go after what accentuate what your brain initially recalls, right? Right. And so it's not as important necessarily to be exactly the same, but all those things, yeah. So that's why when you go see a Pink Floyd band, like I might go see uh, uh, the the Australian Pink Floyd uh, cover band. Um, it's coming locally yep. next week. It's like 25 bucks. Well, I see Maiden see next week. Anyway, oh, you, I am so – Really, yeah. I am – But they they only came as close to Richmond, and I, I just couldn't see me going three miles there, three hours there, three hours back, which meant an overnight stay because it was late night yeah, on yeah, a week yeah. night and taking a day off. It, it just – I don't know. I've seen Maiden Yeah, so I mean, many that's times. the other thing. Like, I've never seen him, so for me, this is like a – Yeah, I've seen item. him – Yeah, I've seen him like six or eight times. I can – I could list off the albums and it would take a long time. So anyway, uh, but they were all before um, Dickinson left the first time. And then once after Dixon came yeah. back. So I've seen, I've seen the show anyway, um, which is great, by the way, if you get a chance to see them, they're great. So uh, um, my, my point that I'm making is that, that you could learn, like David could sit down and show me his technique. <laughs> he could teach me his technique. But I'm only going to learn so much of his technique. Um, but the things, it's just like uh, you can buy a reverb. Let's say you buy 10 reverbs or, or delays. Let's use delay because delay is a little more uh, easy to, to analyze. Delay, let's call that the color pink, right? We put delay into our sound, the color pink into our sound. If I dial, that's where people do this all the time, by the way. The minute they, they want to show off a delay, What's one of the first bands you too that they you two and then they go to David Gilmore, right? Those are the those are the two go-to bands they use for it's that ping pong that David Gilmore loved to use. It's that U2 ambient woo big thing, right? So does it sound exactly like them? Never. You, never. At first when you listen to this chant, it's like, oh that kind of sounds like, you know. I oh, mean yeah, that's, that's, U2, that's um, yeah. But that's because the U2 stuff is basically just like it's a rhythmic thing. Delays on top of the yeah, and of and yeah. There, that's a very sound like everybody acts like oh U2 only really did this one sound with the delay pedal, but there's a lot of stuff going on in that music with Yo, delay. Yeah, it's, I'm not a fan, yeah. but I but I I respect it. Like I understand it. Yeah, yeah, I like them. I I just nothing after Joshua Tree, please. Thank you. Um, so. Uh, anyway, the, the the point that I'm making is 
this, you, you will never, ever, ever sound like somebody else. Don't chase it. Find a tone you like, stick to it. If it is a Spider 3 with a Helix, Mr. Chris, then stick to it. That's your thing. It's your bag. It's fine. But don't try to tell everybody else that that's the way you should do it. Because I'm not going to listen to it. I'll play my SG through my Marshall, and I won't sound like Angus Young. But to me, in the moment, I'm I'm doing AC. Can I back all up day. for a minute? So we're so I'm glad you connected sure, that back to the to the situation I was talking about. I want to back up for a moment. Yeah. So I want to I want to like we've all we've all been to open mic nights and we've all been to you know like like shows and you get to guitar players that stand in the audience with their arms crossed and they look at you. Don't be that guy anymore or no. girl. Uh, just don't do it because don't be yeah, that person. It's just ridiculous. Like. I, I can't I can't fathom you're not supposed to go to a show hoping that the artist is gonna fail. And that yeah. body posture immediately suggests that you're like, well, I gotta judge them. Yeah. The minute you cross your don't arms judge, just, folks, if you don't, don't know judge anything people. about body language. Just don't judge people. Yeah. Look look. I am guilty of doing this. And it's and and I'm the first to admit it because I Look, I put in the hours, right? Jim, you put in the hours too. But like I I feel like when I go into a place like that, I I want to feel like I'm respected for the amount of time I put in. I granted nobody knows yeah. how much time I put in, you know? But I I also get this like moment where you're on stage and you see the guys that are like kind of yeah, I've seen this before. Um you get the feeling that like the cynicism is there, but then, but then what really makes you like feel icky about the whole thing is they get up and play or, or, or they don't get up and play and they don't say anything to you after it either. And it's like, well, I, uh, I would really rather have constructive criticism. What did you like about it? Um, right. And maybe I'll correct it. Maybe I'll just tell you to go jump off a bridge. Um, but the reality is uh, standing there and you're in the corner with your arms crossed. It just, look, you're not having a good time. You're not letting anybody else have a good time either. And that's a big part yeah. of, you know, you want the energy in a venue, like be respectful. You wouldn't want the, you wouldn't want the guy that's on stage doing that to you either. And, um, so. Exactly. And, and it doesn't put you at ease when somebody, I don't does care. That. I just, I've gotten to the point where I don't know. No, no, I'm talking it. about the individual that's doing it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not talking about you in particular. I'm I just see this as being the digital equivalent of that. All right, so Somebody's I'm going to say something. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was. So I posted this thing that, that said, when the guy that steps on stage surprises you. Yeah. So this big, hefty guy who I don't, believe it or not, I don't take, I don't do that. I don't prejudge the person. Yeah, because I don't, you know, I, we, you and I have both have seen people that were like, what? Oh, yeah. Just seen too many people that, that does not look but, like a guitar But then they come up and they just and destroy they are, you and you're like. In, and I just want to burn yeah, you're all like, my there's stuff. There's not enough hours in the yeah. day. I, I will never be that good. So um, here's a, here's what I was saying. So let, um, this this guy comes in right, and he was so good, but we didn't know it. And so he comes in. He's got now. What you can't see in that video that I posted in the group is he's got a scar that 
folks can't see it, but it would start in the middle of one side of your head, go all the way around the front. It's it's obvious they had to fold his whole scalp back, right, to do stuff. And I knew I, I was like, geez, his face looks kind of familiar, but one side has been like, it, 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 like he had a stroke, you know, type thing. And and, and I said, geez, and I said to him, I said, don't I know you? And he goes. Blah, blah, and I find out he was a musician on a on a um, cruise ship in Norfolk in yeah. the 90s. And I had taken my wife on that cruise. And I was like, I remember you. Yeah, you were really good. And uh, yeah. not to say he wasn't good now. I always feel terrible when I say, you know, you really you used to look really good. It's kind of like, wow, you look like crap now. But anyway, so um I said, You were really good. I I really liked your stuff. He goes, Oh, thanks. But you know, I've lost a lot of movement. And, he's, and he showed me his hand. He got shot up. His car got shot up in a drive-by, right? That's horrendous. So, thing. so it was like, it was like right out of like Al Capone type thing. And the 90s was, and um, they left a bullet lodged in his hip. They said it would do too much damage to take it out. What happened was he got severe lead poisoning from the bullet. So it actually wound up causing more problems than it would have to take it out the first time. And so he he has a limp and his hips are back. He gets up on the stage and I'm like, you know, he was he was saying, oh man, I suck now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh geez. And and you see by the videos, that's his version of I yeah. suck now, by the way. That's that's his I was like, oh, then you're gonna think yeah. I really suck. I am not even getting on that stage. I'm taking my name off the list. I'm gonna get Look. <laughs> so it was and the week before that, um, didn't I post another one where this guy got up there? He puts down his amp. He's got one pedal, got a tuning pedal, and he's got a, tu a tube screamer. Puts that fender down on the stage, and that guy ripped it up, and I swore to God. Now, I've seen Steve Ray Vaughan live. I was like, holy crap, that guy. That, that, was a, 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 that was my impressionist thing that I was talking about earlier. He had... The way Stevie Ray Vaughan would yeah. build his solos and and create, a, that was there. That was there. I was like, wow. And I told him, I said, I got to get you on the show. You are incredible. We got to talk to you because we we are big, you know, guitar player fans. And anyway, that was my point. And that I think that that goes to what David says is don't look at those anybody who gets on that stage that has the guts to get up there. And do that thing, whether it's solo, whether it's with a band, whether they're playing rhythm, whether they're playing solos, doesn't matter. They've got the guts to go up there and express themselves. Don't don't slam on people. If you got some constructive criticisms, that's one thing. Hey, you were loud and high end. Gonna be professionals. They don't want to be. Right. Um. No. But try. There's another reason why you should do this, and that is. If we're living in a world where guitar is starting to wax and wane, right? The styles of music are changing. Pop music doesn't have any real instruments to be in it anymore. Um, remember that we need to respect each other because we need to soldier on. And that is, like, if we, if we start turning on each other and saying negative things and acting a fool, um, we're not going to, the instrument's not going to be around. I mean, there's just not going to be people out there pushing it and making it do new things and all this stuff. So it, it's good for the instrument, basically, for us to be like, 
you know, camaraderie amongst one another and to encourage growth. Um, do you think any of the older cats who couldn't do the, can, uh, let's, let's take, for example, um, who's the guy I'm thinking, uh, Larry Carlton, right? Session player. Um, and then also solo artist later. Um, do you think when Eddie Van Halen came out that Larry Carlton crapped his pants and was like, oh my gosh, the game has changed. I don't know what I'm going to do now. No, no, of course not. Absolutely not. He was like, Larry Carlton kept being I can Larry just, Carlton. It's Larry Carlton. I guarantee you, he was like, yeah, that guy's really good. And like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but, but he's also sitting there going, he's pushing the state of the guitar. Like, there'll still be That's work right. for me. You know, it, it's not like it's going to dry up because this guy's out there, but it does mean that right. I have to be on my toes. And, and, and he already knows that anyway, because there's other session players that are probably pushing up, you know, pushing into his gigs anyway at that time. At any time, really. Of course. Um, it, it, yeah, Larry Carlton, that's, uh, so that's mid, late 70s, early 80s. So you've got, uh, you've got the stuff he did. Right, he, did he worked with Steely Dan. He worked with other artists right. as well. Um, you had Frank Gambali. You had, jeez, uh, um, uh, what the heck's his name? Older guy, the weird beard. Not, not uh, Billy Gibbons, but obviously Gibbola? Billy Who? Diviola, he was later. Oh, he was in the mid seventies. Um, yeah, but he started really pushing in the eighties because he went with that fusion. He moved jazz. Yeah, he was into playing acoustic new... in the eighties. He'd start. He yeah. he he. I That's think it was seventy three. He completely like changed that style. Where yeah, I think it was nineteen seventy three. Um, so yeah. it, I, I get where you're where you're going with this. It was like Skunk yeah, Baxter. Yeah, yeah. That's who I was thinking. Um, of. Jeff Skunk Baxter. But the the whole point of this this excursion is that we shouldn't be afraid of people who are better than us and 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 i'm no. i'm guilty of this i walked out of a show seeing oh Paul Gilbert a couple months ago and i said to jeff when we were walking out i said to him well i'm just gonna go home and quit and uh yep he i'm said, selling he all said, my no, stuff I'm and i'm gonna start i'm gonna he start said, selling I'm cars <laughs> and like it it hit me because yeah. i'm like well but i can't play like that but at the same time, it's like, I don't have to play like that to express myself. So, yes, no. I, I get it. Like, I get what he's saying, and I, and I, and I follow along now, and I, and I get it more than I ever did. But as, as it relates yeah. to this argument, don't hate people who are better than you. Try to learn from them. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have right. to do what they do. It just means that you have to be thinking about how you can do what you do better so that you can stay relevant. That's right. You didn't hear David Gilmore going, "Oh man, Eddie Van Halen." Oh, uh, he had he was so critical at do, times too because he would talk about now well, I, I can't really do can't the play wall. fast, but what I do, but 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 he, he would always but, preface it with, "What I do do is this," right? You know, so right. just understand that like your specialty may not be being Eddie Van Halen; it might be being uh, who's the guy from Oasis? I forget what his name is offhand. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody thinks of him as a great guitar player, but he played on some big records. But, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Um, yep. I I can't I can't stress it enough. Well, the guy from REM. Ooh, he, um, uh, the guy from uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Can we, Mike, talk, um, can we talk Jack White for a oh, minute? Because it because it came up the, yeah, came yeah, up. Yeah, Jack White. I know we're at, we're an hour and a half. This would normally be the show end. We're we're moving into the final segment here. We're Nah, yeah, we're gonna, keep, we're gonna going. keep going. If you don't like it, turn it off. I'm not. I we're not consciously yep. trying to push the show to two hours. The target is an hour no. and a half. 
but Jim and I are long-winded, and so we're sorry. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> we actually do think about these things, folks. Um, so, yeah, somebody in the group, and I think it was you, shared the article. Uh, Jack White and Jack Black are going to do a project, which I don't even know if that's a real thing. But No, it's it's supposedly real. They're yeah, calling it Jack Gray. They, they did like a song or something Here's- this summer, but – I don't know if it's going to turn into like a real band or whatever. And it's really not just Jack Black. It's all of Tenacious D. Him yeah, and Kyle it's, Gass it's, or yeah, whatever. The whole Tenacious D. Um, which yeah. fine, right? Like, okay, I don't – I'm, I'm – All I was saying was, I look, if I don't want people to look at it, to share it, to see it, I won't share it. Yeah. So like that guy's video I talked about earlier, I'm not saying I – I'm just saying it's not my bag. I, so I am not crazy about so it. So I'm not a huge Jack White fan. And I've been very public about it. No. Um, I was encouraged by a few of the podcast group people on the side to go and listen to some of Jack White's stuff. Um, now, what I basically knew of him was like White Stripes and like the first album he did outside of White Stripes. <gasps> um, and I was not. Yep. Look, I'm not going to go back and listen to that material. I'll make it very clear to everyone. Um, that stuff does nothing for me. Um, but what I will say is this. Like, as an artist, he is certainly in the vein of a lot of the other modern artists today um, and does things in a very specific way that I could see people really gravitating towards. Um, yeah. You know what he reminds me of, Jim? St. Vincent. And there, that's yep. a contemporary of his. Um, and so exactly. I kind of look at, yes, of course, obviously St. Vincent does the kind of like Bjorkish stuff too. Bjork, Bjork, you yeah. say it right, yeah. Um, Bjork, Bjork, Bjork. Obviously, there's like this whole uh, Bjork, you know, Peter Gabriel thing going on with with uh, Saint Vincent that doesn't really. I don't really see it fitting in and dovetailing into like what Jack White does. But what I will say is this: Jack White has evolved. He is not what he was when he was in the White Stripes, um, and his selection of guitars and all that stuff. Like as much as that's why I usually make fun of him for because. He was saying, like, I have to fight it and all that stuff. And it's like, no, really, dude, you just, like, you didn't have an endorsement deal. Um, you wanted to be trendy, which, more power to you. Like, you need a visual look on stage, and your music was yeah. very retro-inspired, so playing airlines and stuff like yeah. that makes sense. Um, but I, I want to go back, and I want to do the history lesson. So right after White Stripes ended, he started getting custom guitars built for him. He had the one with the microphone built to do. I forget what the builder was that made that for him, but do you think that guitar played yeah. like garbage? No, absolutely no. not. Do you think his airlines played like garbage? Not. I doubt it. No. I doubt it. Not I like doubt. the airlines I d- I'm sure he played. found good ones. <laughs> and I, that, the Tisco, like Tisco's and stuff from that period, if they've not been worked yeah. over and like been well taken care of or are one of the rare like examples of a good guitar, um, they're terrible. They're awful guitars. Um, and so there's a, yeah, there's a, geez, early, early, early one at Guitar Center right now that's like. I can see expensive. why people don't like yeah. Jack White because it's on the image thing. A lot of what he does is image based. And. He gets his Fender deal, right? And you would think he's got like his pick of the litter of Fender style guitars that he would take, right? And so you'd think naturally Telecaster, right? That that was my first inclination. Telecaster followed by like yeah. Chazmaster. Um, but yeah. no, he went completely in the other direction 
and was like, no, I'm going to take yeah. EVH. And I kind of yep. wonder if that's based on like, a, this is the opposite approach that people are going to expect me to take. I think that, didn't he start with the Gretsch though? Didn't he start when it was with Fender? Did I don't he start know if he ever Gretsch? played a, I mean, you might be I mean, right. I, know I, I don't know. Actually Fenders, I, but, but then he moved to the EVHs, which again, I respect, look, I respect everything he does. I really do. I, if somebody's doing he's this selling stuff, records, I, somebody yeah, likes that's him. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, what white yeah. stripes is over what? 20 years ago. Close to it, like fifteen years ago or something. Because yeah. I was in high school when and they I'm ended. And I'm still playing that crappy song in the in, the, in cover bands. Oh, I think boom, I gra- boom, I think boom, I was in college, boom, 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 but, but it was like right after I got out of high school. That's dating yeah, but myself. It was I'm 34. Right? Late, well, late to mid 90s. So, yeah. um, shut up. So, when I think about that, like, uh, and the fact that he did a Bond theme and like all this other stuff in between, um, which. Yep. How how they gave Jack White and Alicia Keys a Bond theme, I still don't understand. But um, not that I I uh, I don't dislike Alicia Keys, but it just seems like a really odd choice. Yeah, it, it was an odd choice to put them yeah. together. So, um, actually, maybe that was part. You of know it. what? And that's the thing. I don't think that is necessarily such an odd choice to put them together because really, what Jack White aspires to be is like you know Sun House or somebody like that. Um. I I I yeah, but I'd see Leisha Keys more as jazz yeah, instead of blues. Yeah, I, I just but I'm just saying I like I could see that working in some. Strange, I love her voice, just, like place, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like so I, I feel like that scene in um, uh, this is Spinal Tap when they're like, is it blues, jazz, or jazz blues? Wouldn't it be really funny <laughs> if it was um, uh, Jack White and Britney Spears? Yeah, that would be. Even that better, be Jack White and Christina Aguilera. Not only, not only is it one of the female divas from the early '90s, but it is the the uh, Latin influenced female diva from the early '90s. <laughs> Jack White, if you're listening, yes, we dare you. I would to absolutely... find Britney no, no. Spears and Christina do a song. Aguilera. <laughs> Christina, I mean Christina Aguilera. Yes. Yeah, even better. I, I actually Aguilera. do either one. I'm not going to care. Her hips won't lie. <laughs> I want to hear him play. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why do I keep thinking that's Christina Aguilera? Christina Aguilera, she's the one that that was on the- Genie in a bottle, Jim. uh, Genie in a bottle. Yeah. Yep. I would say Mandy Moore, but that's really not something you should bring up these days because of the whole thing with uh, her (laughs) ex-husband. Yeah, no. (laughs) No. Um, So- here's the thing for the reason I shared that is because I knew some people would be interested in it. I knew that there are people in our group that would, that would, that would sincerely like that. And that's why I share stuff in my group. I don't, I put my opinion on it. Dude, put your opinion on it. I, I'm less, I, it's not Jack white. I'm less interested in it's Jack black. I could give a crap about did, him did you doing see, a song. Did I'm you see what came up in that group that like as the, as the thread went on? Cause it got like really deep and Jay and I, and, and uh, Nick, Rawls no, I, um, but basically what came up was that like Nick and I don't like the Eagles and, and, and that oh, apparently like means that I've ho- hoisted, I've hoisted the second one hammer. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's, what no, been to- that's what I've been told. Um, I am not a communist, <laughs> folks. Um, 
You don't it, not liking the Eagles does not mean you're not an American. Let me make that very clear. It means no. you're not as capitalist as other Americans, maybe. Um, I okay. I don't dislike the I I dislike I Henley's very dislike business policies Henley. and Felder's I dislike probably eighty percent of their music. But as far as musically, I love their stuff. I love what they did. I love the way that they took. Well, it's right in your rock, va- right in your alley too, though. Like rock. you're way into that kind of pop right. music, and, so. And remember, I grew up with that. I mean, that was that was my not just my childhood in the mid seventies, but my going into my adulthood. They broke up when I was in you know high school. What it school, reminds right? me of, like, when somebody talks about the Eagles now, it reminds me of that line in the Steely Dan song where he turns about turn. Old he says, it says, "Turn up the Eagles." The neighbors are listening. <laughs> FM. Yeah, that's so, the song. Yep. Yep, FM. FM. Yeah, that that's uh that's definitely it. I I grew up uh, let me tell you something. So I think I grew up in one of the most magical. Oh yeah, times no, for music. sure. Because because we had stuff as as weird Dude, as Pink Floyd, Mahabishnu Orchestra. Uh, we had people my age are listening to the stuff from your age that many of us still do. Yep. That's a testament to how crazy the music was. Yeah, it was it was just a magical time. I think some of the most beautiful and weirdest music created was during that time. I mean, Todd Rundgren. Have you ever listened to Todd Rundgren's uh, catalog? First of all, He's folks, one thing you should know Zappa. about Todd Rundgren's catalog, he was. But you know what else about Todd Rundgren? He did Everything. He was one of the first guys who goes, yep, I'm playing drums. I'm playing keys. I'm doing all the vocals. I'm playing all the guitars. That guy was crazy. And he was also, when he would tour because he didn't want to deal with other musicians, he would play the tracks. So not all the time. He later toured with the Cars, by the way, about, I don't know, 10 years yeah. ago. Not quite 10 years ago. It's. He, I think actually it. he's like groundbreaking in a lot of ways, and I think that's that's one of the big ones. Is like he played tracks like that was a when that was unheard of. Um, but but yeah, I grew up in Frank Zappa. Who refused era, right? to play two tracks. He would get the most insane musicians alive to play these insanely complicated arrangements. Have people dress like men dressing had, up in dresses and everything else on stage to make it happen. To, yep, he had a woman playing yeah. xylophone. Yeah. On yeah, tour. well, she was a fan of them too. Before they like that was the whole thing. I, I he started composing this stuff for xylophone, and the, she was a fan that like was hanging out at all the shows. And he found out she played xylophone. Yep. He's like, oh yeah, come on. It was. It was. I mean, it was a magical time. You, you to you, see that stuff. Somebody like I mean, Frank Zappa today could not get a record deal. It would never happen. No. The closest thing we have is uh, uh, Devin Townsend. And and he got a record deal because he was involved with Steve Vai. I mean, it's not it's not like yeah. you know it's not like th- this stuff is is you're just going to walk into your local club and see a band that's you know performing Hot Rats, you know, in its entirety. Absolutely um, not. And that's that's the thing. I think we go back to this palette thing. We, we talk about that stuff. So a friend of mine, um, his or her daughter is in LA right now recording an album, right? And she's she's laying down these tracks. So my friend, she's playing me the um the music. It's original music, so I couldn't share it if I wanted to. Um because it's not out plus it's in the public. It's owned now. by the record company to some extent. 
No, that that's just it though. They, she paid for the, oh, she, the she, whole she, thing. She, it's not owned she's by producing anybody. independently. Yeah. So she's yeah, independent production. Well, she she got a producer. Yeah, she's paying them, and and she owns and, all the material. right. All right, exactly. She owns all the which is the way most records right are being done nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a good thing, you know. So, um, <clears throat> what I was going at with this is, so she's out there, she's doing that thing, and I listened to it, and I I said to her mother, because Jim said who, word to your mother, who no, shared it. Yeah, I did say word to her mother. I said several words to her mother. So I said, uh, all right, it's really good. I said, I, I, I really like it. Here's the problem. It also sounds like a thousand other right. songs on the radio. Right. Take some risk. And I, and I, want, I want to bring that. Yeah. And I want to bring that to the recent um, other news. This will yeah. take us to two hours. In the... In the um, in the news is the most recent, uh, I think it's the most recent uh, thing in, in the news is, so Katy Perry got sued for sounding like a Christian song. And uh, it was uh, Adam Neely, um, who, I, I, I'm saying these names because these people know their stuff. I mean, we know yeah. their, our stuff too, but I'm trying to drop names that they do this knowing their stuff for a living stuff. All right, Adam Neely, uh, who's a guy, Rick Beato, and um, the guy that does uh, uh, 12 Notes, um, all said that the people that made that decision are idiots. But Adam Neely made a point. Can you own tone? That's something we should discuss bigger yeah, I think in the next show. Big but the topic. question... That I want to post to you folks in the in the group because believe it or not, part of the lawsuit was because she stole the tone. He they claim I don't hear it. I heard both songs. I see everything Adam. I would have come up with exactly what Beato and Neely came up with. Not not the exact notes, but I would have said the same thing. This is Can not I the same song. This is not. This is not. Uh, who was it? Ice T. Go the, or not Ice T? Uh, who was the one that did? Um, that would be. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was not that. He was like vanilla oh, ice. Ding 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 ding. Not ding. Yeah, vanilla ice. That was. It. I knew there was ice in it. Um, it was not vanilla ice saying you didn't do under pressure. Um, so that I I just want to leave it at that. Can you own? Tony? Well, you know, I'll propose this too. I think there's a... with all this digital gear. Well, I scary. think there's another bigger bigger question here and it could be posed for another for the next episode as well and that is um what is the efficacy and ethical ramifications of the kemper of of doing modeling um and and user made modeling what is the what is the ethics involved in that i mean realistically and then let me let me lay this out so that we can have some discussion in the group on it before we do the next episode but the ethical ramifications of this are I'm taking the sound of an amplifier that somebody put blood, sweat, and tears into both the design development and, and uh, engineering that, that created this yep. physical artifact, right? I'm taking the sound of yep. that and I'm making a recording that can then process my other stuff, which means that I have basically stolen what you've created. 
Um, maybe not in the physical sense, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, and, and I, I get you. I and 100% if you're, so like you. you're Doctor Z. Now Doctor Z is a really fun example to talk about because Doctor Z saw people making profiles of his amps. And he said they don't represent my amps, so he made his own. <laughs> he actually he actually took the amplifiers and, and tweaked Can't beat them, them, join them, so that. There would be Kemper profiles of his amps that were more like the real deal than what was already currently available. You know what I I love that by the way. Um, I think I, I think that's a great question for the group. I think that that people should should obviously um, comment on this. More more importantly, do you remember when? Um, uh, I think it was line six. It was first, right? They were yeah, kind of. Uh, Johnson was probably the first, but. Right. But so line six used to have on their early um, amps. It used to say Fender, Tweed, yeah. Fender, this, Gibson, they got or, uh, Marshall, that. Then they got cease and desist. So that is a, that is a valid question. That's what reminded me of the fact that now it says uh, 60s British. Which obviously means Marshall. Yet we've talked about it before. Marshall's early Marshall. It would be really interesting to ask the question of whether or not those cease and desist letters were because they were claiming that they had copied the sound, or was it because they had come they had come close but failed so miserably that uh, Fender didn't want their name attached to it. And and that right. that would be interesting because I could see. I could see an alternative world question. where line six approaches the manufacturer in the beginning and says, Hey, we're making this model of your amplifier. We'd like to include it in our device. Here's the licensing fee. Um, you know, yep. we'll, we'll make the model, but you're going to pay this fee so that you can be included on our product. Um, and yep. obviously if this had been five years later with all the things going, going down with um, like, iTunes and in the music industry and all that. I think the manufacturers of the stuff, specifically like Fender and Marshall and places like in, in box who was owned by Marshall at the time. And um, yep. some of those other, other organizations would have been more, more kind to that kind of arrangement um, than they ended up becoming yeah. because now there, there's all these competing digital products. I, I could have honestly seen like two or three companies come out with, you know, a licensed, you know, this I've got the the Marshall license, so I you know all of our products are over here at Line Six, and then the other guys are like, well, all my products are over at Johnson, like Fender's over at Johnson. You know, I could I that world could have happened. And Johnson. It could have happened, and it would have all it would have taken is somebody yeah. not to have had the forethought to develop the Axis Two Twelve when they did. Yeah. Well, you know, um. They've jumped oh, yeah. on the they have their own. They have All their own platform. Is making their own. Better uh, making their own. Um, I want to say this before we go. When we when you bring it up in the in the group, I want to say, just in a short thing, is that I think that if they're making the models now, let's say like you were talking about with Doctor Z, making the models now, Doctor Z did what he did because he felt that the that the profiles weren't right. close enough to what he had right i want to say this and i want to remind people of this 
those profiles are made by a person. Mm -hmm. So those profiles are as good or as bad as they were created by the person right. who created those profiles. I'm not saying the person was good or bad. I'm saying whatever they did and however they created them could have been good or bad. You know the process. I think we re we should talk about that um, uh, next episode too. Is about how you yeah, make a no, profile. I'm I'm willing to. I'm, in fact, I could probably do it right now. But I'm I'm yeah more than excited to discuss that because it's it's uh it's an interesting procedure and it and it it does require actual engineering. Like you have to be smart enough to know how to do certain things to make this this whole thing go off and work properly. Um, yeah, and I will. I will freely admit, I am much better recording guitar with a microphone in front of a speaker cabinet than I am making Kemper profiles. Um, but that being said, my Kemper profiles, because the Kemper's kind of foolproof on it, I can use them for certain things. I just don't think that the cabinet sounds really that great. Um, yeah. so efficacy of modeling. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about, and that that can lead back into this whole discussion of do we own tone. Um, can we own tone? Right. Um, and and I'll put a link to that Adam Neely and the uh, twelve twelve tone. Well, I think um, it's twelve tone. I think it's also worth talking about, like the basics of copyright infringement in music, like how what what is permissible, what's not. Um, because I think there's a tendency, right. even when um, do you remember back when um, who was the acoustic folk player, the guy from Britain that was real popular right now? He stole the song from uh, Marvin Gaye. Oh, and sure. Uh, stole a song from Martin Gay, Marvin Gay, right? And he kind yeah. of admitted, like, "Yeah, I did," um, but he stole the chord progression, and the chord progression isn't necessarily the same thing as the melody. And so, because of that, I don't think I think he got out of that without without even having to pay a dime. Um. Oh no they they made they oh, made they, a few were they able to were they able to uh, to insinuate that like he stole melody as well. I'm going to ask another another question of the group. So, the morality. I want to ask you what you think about the morality. Marvin Gaye is dead, obviously. It is his family that 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 sits around, does nothing music. We're actually He's never done anything music. Uh, kind of responsible for his demise, if you know the story. Um, yep. <laughs> Look into it. That's a creepy, creepy situation. Um. Yep, that's a story of itself, but no, it is no. not a podcast. No. A practical um, guitar podcast. So I, I do want to, I do, I did have one thing I wanted to include at the end of the episode. I'm gonna start talking more about the stuff on each episode because I think, um, I think there's a tendency for some listeners who probably aren't involved in the Facebook group or whatever to forget that there is one. Um, we have a Facebook yes, group. Please join it. Uh, enjoy the conversation and the camaraderie with both people who are members of the Patreon and aren't members of the Patreon. Um. We have Patreon. Um, all of this stuff is in the show bumper at the beginning of the episode. I don't have it written down, so I'm not going to read it off now. But you can find us on Patreon. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitars Podcast. Um, I would encourage you to do these things because if the more you participate in the community, the more that it spreads the word of the show. Uh, again, in the beginning of the episode, I always tell everyone, Please leave us a review on the place where you found our podcast. Uh, I'll be at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Um, I think it's a really good job of remembering the actual list. Um, 
and mostly just reach out to like you know everybody involved in the show uh we're gonna we're gonna try to start a, a patreon discord um i'm gonna see what is involved in that and uh we will probably set up some sort of schedule like where we go on for an hour or a week or something and make sure that we interact with our discord listeners and uh, our patreon subscribers and uh, I think that is a great way for us to give back to our Patreon community because we just don't generate a ton of content that is specific for Patreon. Um, I've had some issues. I'm also intending to get the episodes out early for Patreon listeners now um, that we've had some issues doing that because uh, the service we've got our podcast hosted, they're on a new platform and getting the episodes down from them has been a bit of a hassle, um, but I'm going to try to do better with that. So hopefully the episodes will go up for on Mondays for um, Patreon listeners and then be published out to the audience at large on wednesdays so um i want to thank everybody for tuning in as we don't regularly do we just kind of usually leave you hanging um and sitting with us for the two hours where jim and i ramble or mostly i ramble and jim says something important every once in a while then i hit the little mute button on my on my uh (laughs) And I sit here and type because I'm typing to you guys all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny because Jim actually is like, I I would say Jim is Jim is more than 50 percent of the show. Um, Jim keeps me on the on the tracks so I can just ramble. Yeah, so he can just go needlessly. We we put a point out and then David takes it. Yeah, Um, usually I steal it. I'm interrupting him constantly. And Jim's very patient with me and I I can't. I can't think of enough for not being like, you stupid asshole. <laughs> I swear, I, I've seen Jim's hand come right through my monitor, right to my face. He's just going to hit me, like, really hard. Because he's like, shut up! <laughs> no, that's never happened. Jim Jim does not have powers of uh, transferring his body As, through electrical signals. But I do have a huge hand, by the way. Yeah, he does when he gets I do close. have huge hands. And, and when they get real close, they're giant, but I do have big hands for my size. I, just one really big finger. <laughs> I'm a short guy, right? But when I sit, every episode. When I sit next to tall people, we sit about the same. And it's funny because people are like, "Wow, you don't so, look so short to stand up." And then you up. stand I'm up, like, and you're like, "Thanks." It just it just shows you that my legs are really like this long, yeah. and the rest of it's, I'm supposed to be five ten. Arms uh, like tree trunks. Yeah, <laughs> with, with arms. I know because I've I've measured my arm length. For, with, for those of you who haven't seen seen Jim before, he looks like the guy in the brawny. Yeah, <laughs> favorite tower. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I actually look more like. Um, uh, so when I was young, I looked a lot like um, Mark Hamill. I could see that. Yeah, and that. Uh, people and often that- confused <laughs> me with Michael J. Fox or Mark Hamill, which was kind of weird. well. You know, you are short, so I could see the Michael J. Fox thing. Anyway, we'd love to thank you for joining us. I've been Jim I've been with David. my new SG, and this has been David with his new no, we don't AZ. with another guitar. We're we're both not uh, we're both no longer on any wagons. <laughs> we what fell wagon? off, and I am not going on a wagon Wait, for a while because I'm buying. I don't, a, I don't do wagons like I'm this is the 20th Benton. century, man. I'm buying a Kemper. I jumped out of the plane. Getting a Les Paul. Yeah, that I I fell flat on my face. Boom. No, um, I'm literally at the end of my rope on that too, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been practicing guitars. Woohoo! Yay.